kingdom prophets. And uh, the prophet to the northern tribe of, uh, northern kingdom of Israel right now is Elisha. And <clears throat> we've been seeing God do miraculous things, pour out his love on, on people who had given up hope, um, on people who didn't have enough to go around. And, and he has been moving in with his power. And today it is no different. We're going we're gonna to be uh, taking a look at the healing of a man with leprosy. But what's interesting, what I think is interesting, is that the Lord is so other than. He, he's holy. He's other than us. He's very different than us. And in our, in our attempts to, um, you know, make it in this world, sometimes we, we, we lean on things thinking, yeah, that, that's, that's where God's at. That's where God, these are things that, that God, um, this is how he operates and these are important to him. And guys, I'm, a, I'm afraid I've got uh, some bad news. He's different. <laughs> He's different. And so I'm going to, you know, kind of like um, what uh, Annabeth Morgan was saying, if, you, if you've got stuff that you're clinging to, I'm going to challenge you. Keep those hands open because I think the Lord may be looking to um, take some things from us that aren't necessarily good for us. All right, so let's see. So, uh, and as a reminder, um, we today, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've said yes to Jesus. He has deposited his spirit in us. That wasn't the case back in these days that we're, we're reading about. Leaders, kings, prophets, those were the folks that the Lord would anoint with the Holy Spirit to empower them to lead. Elisha has the Holy Spirit. Um, he speaks on behalf of God. He performs miracles on behalf of God. That's his job, and he's good at it. And he's so good, in fact, that word spreads to one of the neighboring nations that if someone's sick and they go to the prophet in Samaria, they'll, be, they'll get healed. Let's pray real quick, and we'll jump into uh, 1 Kings chapter 5. Again, we're going to go through the whole um, chapter today. So... I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what verses we're covering. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. I, I personally, I'm grateful that I can't figure you out, that you are too big for me to comprehend. Lord, I, I pray that we would tr put our trust in you and that we would lean into you. Come today in our presence. Amen. All right, here we go. You guys ready? Uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Okay, we're going to take a break right there, because we've got some weird things going on. The Lord through Naaman, has given Aram great victories. But isn't Aram an enemy of Israel? Who, whose side is God on anyway? Right? I mean, think about, you know, the, <clears throat> the stories of uh, the movie The Book of Eli. There's that, um, you know, small-town kingpin who had, had his guys looking for a copy of the Bible because he believed that when, if he had the words of Scripture, he would be able to rule over people and they would do whatever he told them. Uh, think of the Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? The Nazis wanted to get the Ark of the Covenant because that's where the Lord, that was his footstool, 
or his uh, seat, I can't remember the, the terminology, they wanted the Ark of the Covenant in the hands of the Nazis so the Nazis could use the power of God to, to, to take over. But he's not on your side versus someone else's side. We, I think we tend to think, and I'm going to get offensive right, right off the bat. I, I think sometimes we put our racial stuff on the Lord. If they're different than us, God's with me, right? And, and so they're the enemy. But here we see the nation of Aram that raids Israel is being given great victories by the Lord through this warrior. So that brings me to another, another thing. So the Lord is the Lord of all. God is in control of who is in control. Well, we've got an election coming up later this year. And as strongly as you are going, as strongly as I'm sure you feel, do your research, vote your conscience, but understand whoever gets picked, that's God's pick. I, I think a, a lot of us can, can get stuck thinking, if my guy wins, God wins. And if my, if my guy, if my candidate loses, God loses. Guys, God doesn't lose. He is Lord over all. He doesn't get surprised by outcomes. Uh, the one that wins is God's pick. We are, and guys, the truth is we're all on the same side. Created by, loved by, forgiven by, fathered by God. All right, let's let's move on. So we've got this countercultural thing going on. There's a kingdom of God, and and then there's our our stuff, right? So let's keep going. Second uh, Kings five. We're going to be reading four through twelve now. Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, "I will send a letter of introduction to you to take the king of Israel." So. Naaman started out carrying his gifts, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. If anybody wants to research the, the dollar uh, uh, value for that much gold and silver, go ahead. We'll throw it in the chat. The letter to the king of Israel said, check this out. With this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Well, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay. He said, am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone of leprosy? And, 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 then he, and then he starts thinking. He says, I can see that he's trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored, and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expect him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Farpar better than any of the rivers in Israel? Why should I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. We're going to take a break here. So here's another kind of unmet expectation and that's respect Naaman the great warrior shows up with a letter from the king for the king of Israel at the head of a procession of horses and chariots with 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold and 10 sets of clothing 
And the Lord, via the prophet Elisha, through a messenger, told Naaman to wash in the muddy Jordan River. That was probably not what Naaman expected, and we and we we can tell. He, one wonderfully, you know, cataloged is the um, rantings of the, the uh, enraged Naaman. I thought I thought it was going to be different. This is this is humiliating. Okay. Proverbs three thirty four says, "The Lord mocks the mockers." But is grace, but is gracious to the humble. And have you ever heard it said that if God repeats Himself, it's because He He's saying something that is really important. He, he wants you to get it. So, in James chapter four verse six, He quotes Proverbs three thirty four, and the Greek version is a little bit different. As the Scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And First Peter quotes it again. First uh, Peter 5, uh, 5b, the second half of the verse 5 and, and verse 6. And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. So Naaman shows up with this giant procession. He's got this. He's got this letter. He's got the referral from the little uh, servant girl. But his expectations just fall flat. He was so enraged by the disrespect that he was ready to leave. So let's pick it up. Second uh, Kings five verses thirteen through nineteen. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, "Sir." If the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, simply go wash and be cured. So, Naaman went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. And then Naaman said, all right, but please, allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place, and I will take it back home with me. And from now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifice to any other gods except the Lord. However, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple of the god Rimon to worship there and leans on my arm, May the Lord pardon me when I bow too. Go in peace, Elisha said. So Naaman started home again. We're going to take a break here and talk about, we're reading between the lines, this next unmet expectation is religion. So Naaman, we would consider him a, a pagan. So the, the god Rimon, that's the Aramean um, title for Baal. You've probably heard of Baal. <clears throat> anyway, let me... Uh, Naaman, having been healed, reveals his understanding, or misunderstanding, really, about God and how to worship him. So he says a, a couple of things that, that reveal this. He says, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, that's an understanding of a, like a localized God. And then he says, allow me to load up you know, two mules with as much earth as they can carry to take back with me. So his plan is to put the soil down in his residence, more likely, so that when he, so he can 
stand on that soil and worship the God of Israel outside of God's territory, right? And then we have that, verse 18, there's this very interesting request to be pardoned when, as his king leans on his arm while he worships Baal, may the Lord pardon me when I bow too. And I would think that anybody that studied apologetics would be salivating at this chance to set this pagan straight, defend the faith. God is omnipresent. He's not just in Israel. The whole earth is his footstool. And, and you shall have no other gods before me. Right? So he makes this, this pagan alien, makes this request. And what is Elijah saying? Elisha is a prophet of the Lord. He's got firsthand access to the Holy Spirit, so he knows what the proper way to worship God is. And how disappointing. Elisha does not enter into a discussion. He simply tells Naaman, go in peace. Religion was not a factor before or after Naaman's miraculous healing by God. By faith, he was healed, and now he may return home in peace. Who is this God I'm serving? He's so different than all these rules. All right, so let's, uh, um, we're going to go, oh, rest of the chapter. Here we go. Second uh, Kings chapter 5, verses 20 through 27. But Gehazi, Gehazi, ah, our favorite carnal prophet, servant. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master should not have let this Aramean get away without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. So Gehazi set off after Naaman. When Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and went to meet him. Is everything all right? Naaman said. Yes, Gehazi said, but my master has sent me to tell you that two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim have just arrived. He would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing to give to them. By all means, take twice as much silver, Naaman insisted. He gave him two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts for Gehazi. But when they arrived at the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent the men back, and then he went and hid the gifts inside the house. When he went to his master, Elisha asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? I haven't been anywhere, replied Gehazi. But Elisha asked him, Don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothing, oil groves and vineyards, sheep and cattle, and male and female servants? Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. And when Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was white as snow. So the last kind of assumption is about riches. And I'm going to share a couple of assumptions that um, I think might be prevalent. Number one, we deserve them and our enemies don't. Number two, when we don't tell any about it, no one will know. Uh, and number three, Take every opportunity to get ahead. Do, do any of these sound familiar? Um, <clears throat> I, I've shared this before, and I, I uh, didn't ask my son if I could share it again, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna. to. Um, so when our, our youngest, Nick, was a little guy, one of the, the things that we would play at home was Uno. Well, we, we go to play Uno one time, and, and like half of the cards are gone. Turns out, our little guy Nick had taken the Uno cards to school and had handed them out. Yeah, here you go. Green nine. 
triple threat. I can't remember what they are. Double, whatever. And we thought it was cute. Well, then years later, <clears throat> we were using cash to buy groceries. And so we would take it out of the bank on payday. And then we would, you know, have it in, in our, our home. And we go to do our, our shopping and whoa, there's a bunch of money missing. And then I get a phone call from a parent of a student who came home with a $20 bill and is like a third grader or a fourth grader. That's a lot of money to just come home with. Dad asked the, the, the child, where did you get that? Oh, Nick Cruz gave it to me. He was just handing out 20s. When we don't tell any about it, God always knows. Um, and in terms of like take every opportunity to get ahead, I love what, what Elisha says. Is this the time to do this and that? And, you know, Ecclesiastes says there's a, there, for everything there is a season. When we have opportunities to get ahead, is it in a way that's honoring? Is it honorable? Gehazi knew what he was doing was wrong because he, he lied, or he tried to. He tried to lie to Elisha. I, I, I wasn't anywhere. I didn't go anywhere. So in all of these, these issues, right, um, I'm the right people group. I deserve respect. I, I've got my religion down. I know it. So I'm right. And in terms of, of riches, there's, there is a, there's a temptation to rely on these things that seem to give people power in this world. So I've, I've, got, a, I've got a question for you. Omaha Vineyard Church. Are you frog? Yeah, you heard me right. Are you frog? Frog is an anagram for fully reliant on God. Are you frog? Or are you, are you convinced in your mind and in your heart? Are you tempted to depend on I'm going to, I'm going to say it, racism or respect from others or religion or riches. These things that in our history, in this world have been used to lift, you know, lift up others and keep others down. We can see from the story in, in 2 Kings chapter 5 that God's kingdom is countercultural. In the kingdom of man, these are ways to create security, to establish superiority. But in the kingdom of heaven, the proper position is the same for all, and that is humble before our God. When we choose humility, we're being Christ-like. And I'm going to be reading from Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. I've got the words I'm going to put up, but before we jump into that, <clears throat> there are so many voices, so many voices right now. We're inundated with TV and internet and we're more connected than ever and maybe I need a break <laughs> from, from connection for a while because there's so many voices out there that want validation, 
And we have to be careful. We have to weigh those voices against the Holy Spirit. What is he saying? And if, if we have said yes to Jesus and our desire is to obey him and live like him and be like him and point others to him, we have to set down our pride. We have to set down our prejudice. We have to set down our our insecurity about you know riches or respect and the person the only person that ever walked this earth that had all of the power how did he use it so we're going to take a look at uh, Philippians chapter 2 uh, 3 through 11 let me see if I can share this real quickly here here we go Share. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be, uh, where's my mouse? I can't get the, okay. I gotta read it, sorry. Some of it's uh, cut off from me by, by stuff. But I wanna make sure I get this right. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had. And what was his attitude? Here we go. Uh, allow me to, to address that uh, question. Uh, though he was God, he did not think equality with God is something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his, his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as, as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Humility, I, I looked up uh, some synonyms. Um, meek, submissive, respectful. Naaman, even though he got disrespected and was enraged, he humbled himself to obey the word of God, delivered through the prophet Elisha, and he was healed. Gehazi attempted to improve his own standing through greed and deception, and he was humbled by God. So when you say yes to Jesus, he puts his spirit within you. And as you press into relationship with him, he influences you. Was it shocking to see that God rules over all the nations, not just Israel? Did it shock you? that this pagan enemy of Israel was referred to Elisha by a slave and that he was offered miraculous healing in exchange for nothing. And then even with bad doctrine, were you surprised when Elisha was offered tens of thousands of dollars worth of gold and silver and sets of clothing and he turned it down even to the point of chastising his servant, saying, is this the time to receive money and clothing, etc.? God's culture is counter to the culture of this world. What is important in this life 
is not necessarily what is important to God. Remember, last week we were talking about Jesus in the boat with the disciples. He's just multiplied, you know, a lunch to feed 20,000 people, 16, he did it twice. There was so much left over. They had baskets full, large baskets full, multiple large baskets full of leftovers. And the disciples, <laughs> they, they can't, they still don't understand. They still don't see. And Jesus is like, guys, it's not about the bread. I'm not concerned that we won't have enough food. Don't you remember what happened before twice? Don't you think I can do that to feed the 13 of us? Okay, so how do you align yourselves with his kingdom? It's by pressing yourself into relationship with Jesus. Becoming more like him. In humility, he influences you from the inside out. And we as a church, Zomaha Vineyard, we lay down our desires for superiority, for respect, for riches, and for religion. Yeah. This church is not about religion. We are about learning to receive God's love for us and pressing into him who loves us and becoming more like him. And that what that means is we start loving others like he does. And then we point them to him as the answer to all of our desires. We do want to be honored. We do want to be respected. We do want all of our needs met. We do want to know God. And God answers all of those questions with his love for us. He accepts us even while we're sinners. Naaman didn't do anything but listen to a little girl that was taken from her family as a slave by raiders. And for some reason, she didn't hold that against the Arameans, didn't hold that against Naaman. She loved name and she loved her master and wanted him to be healed and said I, I wish he would go to see the prophet in Samaria because then he would be healed of his leprosy may we live out our lives on this earth with the faith of a child Heavenly Father, may we humble ourselves before you and trust in your way and your plan. We bow at the name of Jesus, and we declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, it can be really hard to be um, faced with our prejudices, And it can be, it can be humbling to realize that that's something we've been holding on to, Lord, in your grace and in your mercy and in your love. Deal with us. Whatever's getting in the way of loving you and loving others, take it. May we be humble like Jesus. May, may we realize that you, who are God, 
didn't lord it over anyone, but you humbled yourself to follow God's plan, which included being turned over to your enemies and being beaten and being crucified. God, we need your mercy personally, but we also need to see your mercy in our land, in our communities, in our relationships. Change us, Lord, from the inside out. May we, may we be loving like you're loving. Amen. Of Omaha Vineyard Church, allow me to um, pronounce this blessing over you and then we'll have some, some community time. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen.